When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Meinke, line speed writer for MLive, joined as always by Ben Raven. Uh, as always, for one last time from a press box in the 2023 season, Ben, Lions lose 34-31 here um, in San Francisco against the, the, the 49ers. And listen, it's 1.52 a.m. Eastern as we record this. Um, there's confetti on the field as we look down from the press box and we're still trying to wrap our heads around what exactly we saw. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, Ben. You know, this was a epic season. Um, they climbed to heights that we haven't seen in this city. They changed the culture and not just in a feel good way, but in a winning losing kind of way, you expected this team to win in the fourth quarter. You expected them to win. They were able to shed their demons of the past um, and advance all the way to the NFC championship game, a game they led by 17 points. And yet how do you square that with the collapse that we saw an all time collapse? We've never seen a team ever lose in the conference championship after leading by 17 points until the Detroit Lions. You know, we're, we're so used to seeing heartbreak from this team, and there's more heartbreak tonight. But yeah, how do you square that with the incredible season that we saw and, and the fan base that has awoken and been unleashed and the fever that has been unleashed back in Detroit? And like I'm just really struck, Ben, by these dueling emotions between what we've seen all season and what we saw in these final two quarters. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough balancing act, and I think it would be an easier balancing act to say this was a 34-31 loss without a monumental collapse, without surrendering 27 unanswered points in the second half, without letting the Niners erase a dominant, dominant first 30 minutes of action. They erased that in 10 minutes in the third quarter. It was done. So it, it is a tough balancing act because... This Lions team was better than what they put out there today. They were better than that all season. They were better than that for the first 30 minutes of this game. And it, it really is. It's it, I found it tough to kind of put into words. I, I had a hard time with my videos. I had a hard time with my writing. I had a hard time with this. I'm, I can tell I'm going to have a hard time with this because it truly was. Uh, Lions fans dubbed those third quarters the third quarters. And this was the turdiest of third, third quarters all season. And it, it's just really, really, really hard to comprehend what just happened i mean the the mishandled gibbs fumble the drops on third down i mean it didn't seem like st brown or laporta could miss on third down in the first half and the running game was just dominant and just to see that go away so quickly was uncharacteristic of what this team has done all this year and i mean this is the top seeded 49er team for a reason they left the window open for them they freaking kicked it down like a riot squad bursting in at night i mean seriously this is a it's really tough to balance a historic season. Everything that they did, they did. It's in paper. It's a young team. The future's bright, but like it's hard to get back here, man. It's not a given. 
I feel like what we saw tonight was the thing that we feared, and we've alluded to it before on the podcast, but the Lions are such a good, talented team, and that's particularly true on offense. Um, they're still just three years into the roster build, and no team is perfect after three years of building after what Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn left these guys. And the offense is in great shape after lots of um, terrific investment. And of course the, the golf trade turning out roses for Detroit. Um, but there are still weaknesses on defense, particularly um, in the defensive backfield, a cornerback, um, you know, and in the pass rush and, you see in the 49ers a team that's well beyond where they are in terms of roster building. Yeah. You know, they, this is what their fourth championship game in five years or whatever, whatever the, the whatever it is. And when I watched the second half and I watched one mistake turn into two, turn into four, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, from the Jameer Gibbs fumble to the failed fourth down to another failed fourth down to a third down drop by Josh Reynolds to a fourth down drop by Josh Reynolds, a guy who is very sure handed. I'm not going after Josh Reynolds. Nobody should. He's a waiver claim from three years ago who turned into a number two receiver for the number two passing game in the league. No one should be going after Josh Reynolds. He made two mistakes. But when you watch one mistake turn into two, turn into four, for me, Ben, it's it's what we feared about this Lions team, that it was, for as much as they've excelled in the biggest moments and on the biggest stages, they're still a very young team in terms of age, and they're a, they're a very, very young team in terms of the experience and being in games like this. And when you saw them take this monumental lead, and then, you know, there's the failed fourth down with the drop, and after that was the fumble. And after that was another failed fourth down. I mean, like the, these problems started to to compound each other. I mean, the, the Gibbs fumble was on the first play of that drive. Um, you know, late once San Francisco San Francisco was making its 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 comeback, the Lions needed a a drive and they got a three and out because of another drop by Reynolds. Like the like these mistakes just built on each other. And it felt to me a little bit like a team that's in this moment for the first time. And when things went a little haywire, they lost their collective composure. And that's just not something that, that we had seen throughout this this dream season. No, absolutely. I mean, the list of mistakes in the second half go on and on. And they're, like you said, don't all point the fingers at Josh Reynolds. It's kind of like the Tyler Bass and Buffalo thing from last week. It's like, this was not one guy. I mean, you could look at Chase Lucas not pinning the ball at the one-yard line with a per picture-perfect punt. I mean, you look at... Kendall Vildor taking a freaking pass off the face that led to a 51-yard catch. And I mean, that's the moment where it was like, oh crap, this is this is this is gonna be down to the freaking wire right here when Ayuk falls under that. I mean, it is those missed opportunities. And it's just, I know everybody's hand ringing at the fourth down decisions, but man, that's part of this team's DNA. That's Dan Campbell's DNA. That's a large reason why they're here. And it's just you want to get mad at the play calls, get mad at the play calls. Why this team went away from running the ball the way they did in the first half. That's what I would be most pissed off of if I was on the outside looking in. Is I mean, we we laid it out perfectly, standing in front of this stadium, like run to the horizontal, get your wide receivers out there, get Panay Sewell in space, and it's just like you did not see that in the final thirty minutes, and it's just missed opportunities, poor execution, and it's just uh, man, it went from like oh crap, Vegas for eight to nine days to holy crap, locker room cleanout day. 
Yeah, there was a lot of holy craps happening in this press box. Like I, I had you to my right. I had Will Birchfield from the ticket to my left, and I think both of you at one point was like looked at me and tapped me on the shoulder and was like like did like the winky face and was like Vegas, huh? Vegas. And I'm like, yeah, we are, we already have flights booked to Vegas. We gotta cancel. We gotta cancel those things, man. Um, you know, but like it looked like you know it it did. We used the term even on this podcast. Uh, team of destiny, you know, I've written predictions before. They they just felt like the team of the moment that the stars were aligned for them. And, you know, you, you can't have those things happen without talent. They have tremendous talent, particularly on offense, but they had so many other things aligning for them. They were healthy, playing good ball, like tremendous culture and belief in themselves. And you saw it tonight, like you come out and you're in, in four plays, Jamison Williams is standing in the end zone. I mean, what a play that was, turning on the Rockets, and then he had got, he's got he got one guy pulling on his jersey from the back, and he just wouldn't be denied, and he scores a touchdown. And then they get the ball back after forcing a, a missed field goal yeah. and pounding it into the end zone again, and you're just like, holy crap, like they're really going to do it. But when things started to go downhill in the third quarter, they went downhill in a hurry, and... You know, it's it's a young team in the embryonic stages, really. I mean, they were nine and eight last year, and for as good as the finish was, they were nine and eight. They're still a top five youngest team in the league. They don't have any; they haven't been to a championship game since ninety percent of this roster wasn't born yet. Um, the, this was San Francisco's fourth in the recent years. You know, it like it, it was just a moment too big for them, too early for them, and. That's not to take anything away from what they're doing. What getting this far? Like I like we all thought they were going to be good. We picked I picked them to win twelve games. I think you had them at eleven. Yeah. We both thought they were going to win the North. Guess what? They won the North and they won it comfortably. Yep. Um, this this is a team on the rise. They've they've done it at an imperfect stage of the rebuild, but they ran into a tremendous team with tremendous experience and tremendous skill. And listen, they they should have won this game. Yeah. You know, Alex Anzalone told me after the game, like, we should be in the Super Bowl. We deserve that. Uh, and it's true. And they have only themselves to blame because, listen, like 21 teams have taken a 17-point lead in the conference championship game, and none of them have lost, none of them until the Detroit Lions. And I think it's really easy to categorize this loss, so that, you know, in the in the bucket of, you know, the Lions – Always breaking hearts, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Owen 16, Matt Millen, Joey Harrington, uh, you know, take the win, Calvin retiring, like this long list of bugaboos that that uh, every Lions fan can list. Um, but this to me feels different in that it's a conference championship game and this is a young team on the rise. And I think they're only a couple pieces away from being a team like mm -hmm. the 49ers. And um, they're right there, Ben. We saw it tonight. That for as bad as that second half was, they lost this game by three points, and they were in this game in the first place. But then again, you never know about next year. You never know about health. It's hard to get to this summit. Only two teams from each conference get here. Um, and that's something we heard a lot from players and coaches after the game as well. So it's I th as we try to square our feelings, like I think we're yeah. doing it in this moment live yeah. on, on the pod, <laughs> like really working it out. Like there's so much to feel good about, but yeah. As I wrote, and I'm I'm happy, I'm happy that I did. Like these immediate stories are right out of the game. Like um, it's not always the most uh, 
thoughtful stuff because like my instant observations go like like I'm writing it during the game and it's going up like within the five minutes after the game ending. But I wrote in there that like for as good as as this team was this year and for as good as you feel about it going into next year, you never know what's happening on the horizon, what injury comes next or what other team rises up in your division or in your conference. And I fear that, you know, this is going to go down as one of the all-time, you know, what-ifs, what could have been um, if you just would have taken care of business because that's all they had to do when they win this game. And they didn't, and they fall 15 minutes short of the Super Bowl. Uh, and that's something at this point they can never get back. No, I mean, I, I think a lot of people will be making themselves feel better by coping with the on-paper thoughts. And, I mean, it is nice. I mean, it is easy to feel strong about their future on paper, the way Brad Holmes is drafted, the way that this team is. But like like you alluded to in the intro, I mean, the the holes on this team were impossible to miss tonight. I mean, after the two tipped passes by Ian Hutchinson, that defensive line kind of went away. After the early pressures, they kind of went away. I mean, the outside corners, I mean, it wasn't their worst showing, but it wasn't their best either. And I mean, Vildor gets a chance put on his face to make the game potentially game flipping play right there to put it away and it just doesn't happen i mean off his off his helmet yeah and to brandon Ayuk for 51 yards and ultimately a, yeah. a touchdown a couple plays later i mean that like with the double with oh. with, 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 with the doink 66 yard field goal are two of the most unbelievable yeah. plays i've ever seen and they both went against the detroit lions yeah i'm pretty good about not like making audible loud noises in the press box with that one i was like oh what this like not cheering or anyway like a lot of that stuff was going on tonight but just like it was unfreaking believable and this is this is uh i like you i don't feel like this is the typical same old lions quote unquote marks loss but this is the turning point i mean this is the point where they can learn from this fuel it forward turn it into more of these appearances more of these chances or do they become the 2017 or 16 jaguars and make it here once as that super young team i don't think that's them i think they'll should be back here but like when you hear guys like saint brown decker ragnall sewell talk like it's not easy to get here man it's not easy and then you look at that nfc north it's getting better there's another freaking green bay packers franchise quarterback on the come up the bears are reloaded with a ton of draft capital the Vikings are always randomly competitive, no matter what state their quarterback is in. It's just, uh, it's not easy to get here. And I, I, I kept thinking that in that fourth quarter too. Just like, man, just like, yeah, I believe that they should be back here next year. But like, there's so much that can go wrong. There's so much roster turnover. There's so much, just so much that you have to do to get here because 32 teams. There were four playing this weekend, and it's just, man, 30 minutes of a clean half of football away from playing for their first Super Bowl. And it's just, I mean, you could feel it in that locker room, man. It was thick. It was thick. I mean, it's impossible not to feel human in those situations with those guys you spend all year with. Yeah, I saw some swollen eyes from obvious crying. Alex Anzalone comes to mind. He looked like a man who had been crying his eyes out. Dan Campbell himself, um, red face, voice raspy in his post-game press conference. And I thought Dan did a great job kind of, you know, in the immediate aftermath of this game, which is pretty incredible. I mean, just minutes after the game went final, he's there talking to reporters about this thing that we're struggling now, hours later, to talk about, saying very honestly that he's proud of this team, but you never know what's on the horizon. And this sucks. And they're... 
you know, he was asked to, you know, does this kind of game tarnish, you know, the, the good vibes around what happened this season? And he's like, man, like for as much, like it's tough is what Dan Campbell said. And I'm very, I've said this word a lot in this press conference. Um, and I wish I could tell you something yeah. rosier about the conclusion to this season, but it the, like this, this, this burns, this hurts. Um, you know, and I thought he was pretty eloquent in what he said after this game. Um, I do want to talk about the fourth down yeah. play calls. Um, there was a couple of them in the second half where he could have kicked long field goals. There was one from the 28-yard line um, in the third quarter, fourth and two, and elected to to uh, go for it, which feels like an automatic, and I have no problem with that. Um, the lines were up at the time. He's trying to control the field position, the clock, trying to score touchdowns against a team that's red hot. Like it made sense in all the ways. And hey, like the play worked. Like there was even pressure off the left side from Bosa. Jared Goff steps up, has a wide window, throws a a, a bullseye um, to Josh Reynolds, and Josh Reynolds drops the ball. And I think it's the next drive, the drive after that. Reynolds dropped a, a third down pass that killed another drive. Um, there was the fumble by Gibbs, and I don't think he played much, if at all, after that play. Um, if he did, I didn't see it, although yeah. I was writing pretty um, furiously. <laughs> I mean, when a game flips from this huge route to like, oh, they might lose, like I had to completely change everything. That was, it was one of the more difficult things for me personally mm-hmm. to write. But um, but then you had, Ben, I, I want to get your take on the last fourth down decision by by Campbell is from the 30-yard line, San Francisco's 30-yard line. Could have attempted a 48-yarder. Lines are trailing by three at the time in the fourth quarter. Could have tied the game. Could have maybe turned some momentum back Detroit's way. I think three points are pretty important in that spot. And going for fourth and three from the 30, down three in a game like this when you're hemorrhaging points, that to me felt like you know, like Dan Campbell's a risk taker. He's an aggressive coach. It's always going to be a part of the DNA, and I have no problem with that. This is—it's part of the culture here. Like players love playing for that. I'm telling you, in free agency right now, players are going to love playing for that kind of thing. It's going to be a huge draw. But there has there has to be lines of decency in what you're doing, <laughs> and that to me felt like it crossed the line. What What did you think of the last fourth down, dude? I'm with you 100. percent I, I I am all about the aggressive nature on fourth down. That is how you win in this league. That is how you overperform with a young roster the way they have all year. I mean, this is in their DNA, all that stuff. But like, and I saw a lot of the national talking heads from afar kind of chiming in, like you can't ride with that philosophy all year, then be mad at it. I don't think it's a philosophy switch to kick a potentially game-tying field goal from less than 50 yards out in a game that you were honestly lucky to have a breath at that point in. I, I just, it's a 47 or 48-yard field goal, and it's just like, man, this is the NFL. Those guys are supposed to be nearly automatic from that range, and the weather was perfect today. Fourth and three, like you said, the drops on third down, the field fourth down. I love Wheelan Dan. I have defended, I've defended it every chance I can get on these podcasts and in my grades columns, wherever you can read this stuff. And it's just, but that one, that one felt different. That one felt out of the scenario. That one felt kind of disconnected from where this game was going and where this game was at. Because to be able to hold the 49ers to that field goal, to stop them from going up 31-24, to force them to that field goal, that was a big win. That was a door creaking opportunity back in the Lions' favor. And it's just like that that's that's the only decision that I really frown and tilt an eyebrow at is like, man, 
kicking a game time field goal with the game winding down when it's getting away from you. That's that's not breaking from philosophy. That's not breaking from your blueprint. That's tying the freaking game and giving yourselves a pulse. Like, I, yeah, that second one was baffling to me. And I, I almost always expect them to go for it on anything less than fourth <laughs> and six. But that one, I was like, man, I'm not kicking that. Bagley, Bagley just hit a 54-yarder a couple weeks ago. This is 47, 48 yards out. Kick that thing. Tie this game up. But yeah. No go. So, I mean, that's just the price. That's that's the life y'all are going to live with uh, gambling Dan on the sideline for sure. But, yeah, that one, that one I, I can't help but kind of raise my eyebrow at that second one. I do wonder how much the kicker they have plays into that as well. Mm-hmm. And Badgley hit a 54-yarder last week, I think. I don't know. Time's a flat circle. I've lost right. track of everything in my life. <laughs> The Rams um, game is I'm, su- I'm, I'm surprised I'm not single by now. Um, my bag's packed when I get home or something. Uh, with the time that I've invested in this playoff run. Um, but, you know, Michael Badgley was on the practice squad for most of the season for a reason. And mm-hmm. he, he won the job over Riley Patterson for a reason, too. He was kicking pretty well in practice. But clearly they don't have um, a terrific yeah. kicking situation. They haven't since this regime took over and in that stage of the rebuild we're not going to win anything they're like yeah we're not going to pay a kicker of mm-hmm. however much money matt prayer was going to make in arizona and the, i understand that rationale at the time the problem is is that they haven't found a workable long-term solution since and we've talked pretty exhaustively about their needs at <laughs> corner which we saw again tonight yeah. um at edge rusher and so on yeah. but they have in free agency or the draft, they have to get a better situation. Um, it's something I can't remember if we talked about in the pod, but I've written about it numerous times where I'm like, this is a good team. I, I do fear yeah. that yeah. when you get to the playoffs and the margins are that much slimmer, that going in there with um, a worse kicking game than probably pretty much anyone else you're going to face mm-hmm. in the playoffs is going to be an ultimate season ender. And listen, there's too many mistakes in this game yeah, to yeah. pin it on a couple of fourth down calls, particularly one that I agree with, the first one. Yeah. But I, to me, it does underscore the need to solidify that particular position in this offseason. Because if you have a Matt Prater or someone of his ilk yeah. in that position and you you can line up a 48-yarder to tie a conference championship game, maybe Dan Campbell's more inclined to do it. I, that's a great point, and I do think this is the offseason that it wouldn't hurt to find a veteran free agent kicker. And I'm not talking about a Badgley or a fill-in guy. Like, find somebody that's going to be here for a couple of years. I think Jake Moody has proved the risks of taking a kicker in the third round of the draft. There's just so many more premium positions and directions you could go with, especially when we're talking about corners and offensive guards and edge defenders and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, this is the offseason where it's like, I'm very curious to how much that plays into it. But, like, if there's a free agent kicker out there, if there's a veteran that extends a range, that extends your – I don't know, man. It, it is one of those things, and it really does feel like it came and got them in this game. And We were kind of waiting it all – the past three years we were waiting for a moment like this. I mean, shoot, they've cycled through 12, 13 kickers with about multiple retreads in there too, and that's just – that's not what contenders do. There's a lot of holes um, to fill going forward. Um, a couple of them on the offensive line. Uh, this might have been the you know the last stretch of football that we saw that we see from those guys. They were so good, Ben. They controlled the line of scrimmage throughout the season, and when they were at full health, I mean, they were good even with mm-hmm. you know down several players. And at full health, though, they were the class of the league. Yeah. And Listen, I love David Montgomery. I love Dave, Jameer Gibbs. I, I loved watching them play football. They're, they're, it's a tremendous one-two backfield. But 
how many plays have we seen this year where they get the handoff and they're full head of steam and they reach the line of scrimmage and you look down and it's like, oh, the line the line of scrimmage is five yards downfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, their yards before contact is like number one, number two in the league. Um, and it speaks to the the mashing, the human movement happening up front. Um, but Jonah Jackson is a free agent to be. Um, didn't play in this game either. Uh, Graham Glasgow also. I, I think Graham is probably number two, number three on my list of, um, you know, most important free agents for Detroit okay. because not only is he a good player, a guard, but he has that flexibility to play center, yeah. which is important when your center is Frank Ragnow and he's dealing with any yeah. assortment of six pack of injuries on any given yeah. day, uh, in particular, uh, an inoperable co- toe condition that's going to follow him for, you know, throughout his career. Um, so those are decisions the Lions will have to make in the off season. Ben, I thought those guys played well today. I thought they were mm-hmm. awesome in the first half. There was a little more pressure in the second half. It felt schemed up more than anything else. There were some numbers games happening. Yeah. I remember the one of the sacks by Goff. Um, Panay Sewell was blocking two people. Uh, yeah. Panay Sewell was great, but few people <laughs> can block two guys at once. And I thought Goff was very good in the first half. And when the protection started to break down a little bit and there was a little bit more heat in the second half, he was good, and even some of the the, you know, the missed connections were drops by, um, you know, Josh Reynolds. The flea flicker was, yeah. I didn't have respect for it in real time. In real time, I'm like, okay, the pass was long, and then I watched it on the replay in the in the press box, and I'm like, it's hard to call it a drop yep. because JMO didn't really have two hands on the ball, but he should have had two hands on yep. the ball. He got turned around again, which is. Um, a reoccurring thing with him. He really, he seems to, he's done such a good job curing his drop issues. He's obviously a way better route runner. He scored two touchdowns tonight, by the way, JMO has come. He's among the most improved players in Detroit this year, for sure. Absolutely, There's a lot to feel good about, but how many times has this guy who's supposed to be a vertical threat struggled to track a vertical ball? And that cost him a touchdown there too. Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing. I forget who it was. I turned to and said, it was just like, why was he not looking for the ball? It was a 38-yard field and a play that was clearly designed for him. And it is. It's just, I don't want to call it a drop either, but it's like, how the hell wasn't that a touchdown? I mean, it was a perfectly designed play. It was another, that was a that was a dime from, I know there's some J-Mo Copen accounts out there that'll blame Jared Goff for everything, but like, what the hell else do you want from the quarterback on that one? I mean, there were a couple instances of that today. I know it wasn't Goff's perfect second half, especially when, like you said, they started manufacturing some pressure. I mean, those Bosa stunts to get him going up the middle were just yeah. – that's an unrelenting mf'er right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, that that was – his pressures were very impressive. I was very impressed by Bosa Yeah, today. he's an, Nick Bosa's an impressive guy. I, I, this well was done. my first time feeling that. That's a great observation. <laughs> just, yeah, right. Defensive player of the year, one of the greatest <laughs> players of his generation. He's good. He's good. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that Jane will play. I mean, I, I same with you. I, I was once you saw the replay, you're like, "Holy crap!" He dropped that in the bucket, man. Where are you looking? Where's your heads at? But yeah, just uh, need more from him. He needs to be a more aware, deep threat guy because they're going to keep trying to get him looks on that. His speed is undeniable. He, I mean, he needs to start making those plays. I mean, he really does. He really does. I know he made some plays tonight. I know he got a lot better. But like you look back at that one, it's like one of a baker's dozen that they should have had back go their way. Before we move away from the offense, let's talk about. Jameer Gibbs, yeah, great season, mm-hmm. really good player. To think that he didn't really turn it on until week seven yeah. in Baltimore, and I can't believe I remember that because my world is 
know, nebulous at this point, but um, the the he's so good in the open field. That's why they drafted him, right? Yeah. And last week against Tampa, we saw the stiff arm at the goal line. Like he's a physical player too. We like he. I thought he was going to be a slasher, mm-hmm. a, a DeAndre Swift type. And he has that obviously in his bag. That's his biggest strength probably, but he's got so many other strengths too. He's got better vision than Swift ever did. I mean, that's probably the biggest difference between the two players. Um, Gibbs sees a hole and goes (laughs) uh, as opposed to DeAndre Swift. Um, (laughs) Just ask any coach in Detroit. Yeah. Um, And Gibbs in this game, he showed that, that, Again, I mean, just breaking ankles yeah. in the open field on the 15-yard touchdown in the first half, cuts it back into the middle of the field and scored a touchdown pretty much, you know, unimpeded. Um, and that was a tough play. Yeah. And, and he wasn't touched, maybe. Um, ben, he is such a good player. Uh, third quarter, fumbled exchange with Goff. Uh, and if he played after that, I, I didn't see it. He, maybe he played a few snaps. I don't know. I was I was writing like a madman um, mm-hmm. down the stretch trying to <laughs> reverse course with my gamer. But what do you make of Jameer Gibbs' rookie season and, and the finish here? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because like he said, I, I wasn't expecting this much of a running back, an all-around running back in him. And I, I, I'm very curious to get a better look at that, the fumble, because Goff tried taking, kind of taking ownership for it after the game. But I do think the running back kind of just ran the wrong way on that one. I think there was a miscommunication in his part, but yeah, I mean, I think Jameer Gibbs has the potential to be one of this league's top game breaking talents. I mean, you saw it. I mean, he just keeps getting better. Some of the cuts he makes in the open field, there's just, there's just not many guys that can do what he does. And there's not many guys that can do what he does in the passing attack when he gets going too. And, you know, uh, him and golf weren't on the same page on a couple of looks out of the backfield today, but yeah, just, bright 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 future for him let's talk briefly about the defense because i think we're contractually obligated to um and we're running a little short on time but um i wanted to talk about the linebackers you know it's a position group that was hit hard over the years and they signed alex anzalone and he was hit pretty hard in particular over the years and this year they really like going back to training camp you know they drafted jack campbell obviously so the expectations were raised But then you're like, holy crap, like Derek Barnes, who I think was on my like list of um, potential cap casualties, like, you know, at one point really plays well, really plays well and mm-hmm. all year um, and had the big pick last week uh, against Tampa to seal that that win and send the lines to the, champ- the conference championship game. Gets hurt on the third play of this game, which forces them to dig deep into their bag for Malcolm Rodriguez, who was benched this year. And Malcolm has done such a good job in special teams, and not just in terms of his play, but his mentality too. He's really embraced his new role. He never sulked. Like he had such a good. He's exactly the same guy that he was last year when he was starting games and um, blowing up hard knocks and all that kind of stuff. And then he gets his chance to play today. Picks off the, uh, a Brock Purdy pass was the only takeaway of the whole day for Detroit. Alex Anzalone leads him with nine tackles, hits a quarterback once. Jack Campbell played a pretty good game, I thought. Like, there were some issues with the Lions defense, but I thought the linebackers played pretty well. And Christian McCaffrey, by the way, one of the best running backs in the league, led the league in yards per carry. Um, He finished with 90 yards, but I think, like, 25 of that came probably in that garbage time at the end. Yeah. No, and, uh, man, Malcolm, what a play. He's just not had too many defensive reps this year. 
And the last thing you think you're going to be talking about Malcolm Rodriguez is the play in <laughs> coverage. Like, no offense to him. He's just a 1980s style, I'm going to run downhill and hurt you linebacker. But the ability to make that catch, make that play, in the field it was on was just impressive. And, I mean, Jack Campbell, say what you will about his up-and-down rookie season, some nice plays on the edge today. They had him on the edge a couple of times today, and I thought he did a great job setting the edge, containing the run. Because, like you said, McCaffrey was – he was grinding. He was grinding for sure, but like he was really contained. And it was another pretty solid traditional run D game against the running backs. I mean, the, the problems were those four big Purdy scrambles in the second half. But yeah, Alex Anzalone, man, just uh, what a warrior, too. I don't think he's gotten enough credit for the stuff he's been playing through, too. I mean, fractured ribs, shoulder injury. He's got a freaking screw in his hand. And I, I think he's only missed one, one and a half games or something like that. Just, uh, the future at linebacker is bright because it sounded mostly positive about Derek Barnes moving forward, right? It, yeah, I talked injured. to him after yeah. the game, and I can I can say that he said his ACL is nice. I mean, the nice way to say it is it's believed to be intact. That protects yeah. us as, as journalists, but I'm just saying, based on a guy who talked to Derek Barnes and has a pretty good relationship with him, it, yeah. like I can say with a lot of certainty that uh, sounds like he's good. Yeah. Um, it wasn't good enough to play in this game, and he tried. He said he tried until the last two minutes of the game Gosh. Uh, to to get back out there, but just couldn't do it safely um, and was held out. Um, and the linebackers played well without him. That, that speaks to the depth they built up. And, hey, this is this is a fabulous 49ers offense. And, listen, there was problems all over the field in the second half, but I don't really know if the linebackers were, like, their biggest issue. Right. They got some interior pressure. Um, you know, Melfanwu, Capsa. I mean, what a sensational end yeah. of the season for that guy. And... I think it might change the calculus they have at safety because, listen, like C.J. Garner-Johnson, great player, um, brings a lot in terms of attitude and swagger and all other stuff that we've talked about. But with with Iffy breaking out in the second half of this yeah. year and Kirby Joseph, uh, still a young player under contract uh, on, a, on a rookie deal, I don't know if you have to spend $7 million or whatever it's going to take to sign um, Garner-Johnson. Yeah. You know, that might save you some money and you can invest that money into, I don't know, Resigning St. Brown or or Goff or yeah, one of these other exactly. big like that that might be where this is going at this point, and that's thanks to the rise of Efetu Malafanwu. And for a guy who is averaging one defensive snap per game in <laughs> October, November, to go out here and I think that he finished with um, five sacks, which is a team record for defensive back, and he did it not starting until December. Yeah. Um, crazy stuff, man. Yeah. No, and I know people are going to be looking at the missed tackle on Purdy, but, like, he came back two or three snaps later and got that sack back, and I just, like, Purdy's low to the ground, man. That's not a big quarterback. I think he just got bit by going a little too high on that, but I, I fully agree with you, too, because Gardner Johnson, man, he, he really does breathe all that stuff into this defense. He's a great player. I don't want to take a thing away from him, but, like, he's a wild card, man. Yeah. He's a wild card because there was one thing he was told not to do today, and that was get a 15-yard penalty. Don't do whatever you want with Debo. Say whatever you want. Just don't get a 15-yarder. And, I mean, you can call it weak. You can call it soft all you want. If I'm a ref, that's an easy call to make when he's doing stuff like that. I just – I don't know, man. If you had asked me six weeks ago, my answer was if Aaron Glenn is back, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is back. But now I I, I think Ifatu and Kirby are the guys going forward. Yeah, I mean – We'll see what happens with the coordinators, right? I don't know if Aaron Glenn's back. I don't know if Ben Johnson's <laughs> back. That might be where some of the greatest turnover happens, and we'll find those 
answers out here in the next couple of days probably i think i think ben johnson's gonna be a washington commander by the end of the week to be honest with you Mm -hmm. but we'll we'll see on that um so we're getting long in the tooth we also have i mean i have more writing to do it's it's 2 30 a.m eastern right now so we gotta grades yeah yeah we gotta gotta wrap this this baby up but i want to give you a chance to have a, a final word on the Lions season and listen we're going to have you know a podcast later in the week and more going forward. But we're sitting here at Levi Stadium in the press box. We're in the Lions coaches booth, actually, um, looking down on a field with confetti right now. The season is, is freshly ended. There are broken hearts right now on a plane back to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess while the wounds are still fresh, what are your what, what's your last thought, your last word on this Lions season? That someday, and hopefully someday soon, people will be able to look back on this run and remember it for what it was and not just for the heartbreak today. And uh, it's not on the level of the Falcons blowing a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl, but I mean, it is up there. And I just hope that it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. You're right. I, yeah. I'll soften that. But like, I really, my point is just like, I hope the SOL stuff stays out of this. Like, don't go down that path. Like this is still, man, I would take Dan Campbell coaching this team over just about freaking anybody on the face of the earth, and I would take Brad Holmes over just about anybody on the face of the earth. What they have is a recipe for success. Football is a game of changes, not inches. I'm not going to say inches, but, like, there's so much that changes from year to year, but, like, they got the right guys in place. The culture has been reshaped. This is a different franchise. Every day you go into Allen Park is different. This was a special season. And I think the future is bright. I think they should be back here. I mean, it's easy to say that, but just uh, heartbreak is dominating the thoughts right now. It was just an emotional scene, man. But just uh, I think the thing that people should find solace in is that they have found the right people to take this franchise forward, and not just next year, but for the long-term future. The uh, quote from Dan Campbell that's kind of ringing out in my ear right now is, you know, when he said a couple weeks ago that – we're perfectly scarred mm. and and he has a way with words by the way that's doesn't he but this is a team that's been scarred anyone listening to this <laughs> this late into a podcast out of a loss that <laughs> broke your heart already knows that that so. about the scars you know <laughs> it's 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 eternal it, like anyone born into this 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 knows the scars and they can recite them by heart and now they have another one and scars are okay. Like scars heal. It's it's what you do do with it going forward. And that, that to me was important. Like this season, for as bad as tonight feels, it's a success. Yes. You won the division championship. You made it to the conference championship game. And as important as all of that stuff is turning over the culture in Allen Park. There isn't an SOL feel. Like, like these guys really believed there was gonna they were gonna come into the top seated 49ers stadium. And kick ass. Like that's literally what they thought was going to happen, and not in some like fake macho way. It, it was just an internal belief because of everything they've been through and all the hurdles they've they've cleared. And listen, they didn't clear the hurdle tonight. They they fell on their face. Like mm-hmm. um, it's 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 fair to talk about that kind of stuff too. But to me, having you know just someone that was in Allen Park every day of this season, I felt a page turn in terms of the culture, in terms of the the losing. They don't think of themselves as a loser anymore. <laughs> they see them on the, the they see themselves on the same plane as a team like the 49ers. And they proved it week in and week out until this final this final day and they lost. And it's another scar. 
but I think it's something they can build upon. And you don't know what happens with injuries and the comings and goings of players and what happens around the league. I think they're very much set up for success next year. I think they are set up to be a better team next year than this year. Mm -hmm. There's so many variables at play. You can't predict where they'll, where they'll go, but they'll be the favorite in the North. They'll be a, a Super Bowl favorite. They'll probably, they'll, they'll probably be among the top six or seven teams yeah. in terms of odds and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I feel good about where they are, the scars they've acquired along the way. It's part of, you know, the, the adversity that's built who they are, their identity. Um, but they don't feel them themselves, the underdog anymore. This season proved it. They are, they are a heavyweight. Now they'll go into next season as a heavyweight with a, with an improved culture that's continued to turn the page and to rid the stink of um, their history. Um, and I, I think it's also worth pointing out it's it's true in the fan base the way that this thing has awoken the the hell we saw i don't know i don't know how many tens of thousands of lions fans here at levi's across the stadium at a conference championship game the um the the, the fervor the fever that's been unleashed back home around this team has has it, it's remarkable it really is like unique in pro sports particularly for a team that's been as bad as the lions forever it's a unique special thing and they'll have that going forward as well I, th I think that there's a lot to feel good about even if this this particular night feels so bad yeah it'll take some time but i i agree with you absolutely i think that's what we got for 2023 i just want to say thanks to everyone out there it's been a joy um doing these things it's a lot of work out of a game with all the hustle all the writing but um i've enjoyed the podcast with you ben and, and talking to the folks out there and um I mean, it'll be back in four days or whatever. <laughs> like, it's not going anywhere, but as we wrap up the 23 season, yeah. it, you know, just to feel the growth around this thing and how many people are enjoying it and um, all that kind of stuff. It's been humbling and a joy. No, it's, uh, you said it right there. It's been a ride of a lifetime that I'll never forget. And uh, I think more is coming. 